What's good, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Craig, a.k.a. the Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead. And I'm here with the bonus episode of the Bring the Popcorn podcast. Y'all, it's been a very, very long work week, but I finally got through it. And today I have a special guest today. He is he is the owner of his own podcast, and he is very, very entertaining. I am going to introduce you guys to my boy, Mark Leary. What's up, man? How you doing? What's going on? What's going on? I'm happy to be here. Uh, thank you for finally having me on. Man, you know, no doubt. You know, I got to get some more black nerds up on here or blurs, as you call it. You know, what's so funny is, like when I first heard the term blurred, somebody had called me that. I like, what the fuck you say to me? Because <laughs> when I first heard it, I when I thought of blurred, I didn't see how it was spelled. So I thought I thought this motherfucker was legit calling me a black turd. I felt offended. But then he said, no, 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 no. Blurred stands for black nerd. I'm like, oh, OK, my bad, my bad. But yeah, man. So tell um. So tell the tell the people a little bit about yourself, man. Um, so thank you for that wonderful introduction, uh, by the way. So my name is Mark Leary. I'm a local cosplay, uh, local, uh, I'm a cosplay photographer in Atlanta, Georgia. I also do other photography and things, and I'm also a content creator in YouTube. You can follow me uh at Blurredography on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can follow my podcast, Blurredcast, on Anchor and Spotify and Google Play. And coming soon everywhere else. Um, on my channel, I like to talk about, uh, obviously, pop culture and geeky things. And I also like to do cosplay photography and do interviews with other Black nerds and Black creatives and just get to tell their story and share their experiences. Um, and I just want to make a platform for everyone um, of color who's a geek to just be able to come and speak their mind and have our space to where we can control the topic of discussion, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, man. Perfect sense, man. And you know what's so crazy? Like, everybody that's in that Facebook group that we are part of, we some of us started around the exact same time. You know, I've noticed that. I picked up on that, too. Yeah, man, but... It's really been fun. I did a podcast with Ralph, um, with Raphael, like, last week. That was fun. So I'm just trying to do more because I ain't going to lie. This podcasting thing is pretty fun. It's pretty fun. You speak your mind. And it's kind of like your own platform. So whatever you want to put out there is you have a platform where people can listen to you and where you can put out your thoughts. I have to agree with you there. Um, I've been doing YouTube for about a year now. Uh, I'm coming up on my year anniversary and it's a completely different jungle trying to network and promote your videos and things through those channels. But once I started doing podcasting, um, I'm just like, oh, this is so much more of a chill atmosphere. People are more relaxed and you can kind of with it um, and you can just speak your mind. And it feels like a podcasting itself is still one of the most purest form of self-expression and thought uh, and un not being censored that you can find out there because TV and media is so diluted with what you can and can't say and things like that. But you can go find a podcast that fits your viewpoint or find somebody that shares your thinking. And I, I appreciate that. I've had a lot of fun 
um, and a lot of interesting stuff come about from the podcast community and just in the few weeks that I've been doing it. Yeah, man. One thing that I've noticed about the podcast community, it's a whole lot more, uh, I would say, war- warming and welcoming than YouTube. Because I just feel like, for, first of all, YouTube, y'all need to stop with all them damn copyright strikes you be giving people shit nonsense. Right, you're bringing up nightmares. <laughs> See, because everybody keep asking me, well, why don't you just do YouTube? Like, because I don't want to get copyright stricken every other video. I mean, I know eventually I'm going to have to, but, you know, I like to play tra- trailers whenever we about to review something, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get hit with that strike in a minute. You know, that's so funny you brought that up. That's literally one of the questions I want to ask you when we do this for my podcast. I have that written down. It's like, you play full trailers in your in your episodes, and I've gotten copyright strikes for just doing a reaction trailer. This is crazy how YouTube is. It's so crazy. Well, I think it's different for, um, I think it's different for uh, Anchor and whatnot, because you can't really physically see the trailer. I think that's why I've been getting, Copyright and stricken for you. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But there is a way to get around that because I see people play trailers all the time. There has right. to, I want, because eventually I'm going to have to go over to YouTube to, like, whenever I start doing video to do that. But I just got to learn the way how to, how to twist it for YouTube. Um, I can tell you, it's, it's simple. It's a hassle, but it's simple. You just have to transform the whatever trailer or footage you're using in enough way to make it different from just playing the trailer straight out. Um, a lot of people get around it by just not playing the full trailer. Some people just play every seven seconds of a trailer. Some people put a filter over the trailer or reverse the footage or don't play the audio from the trailer it's just different ways to get around it um and then obviously if you get bigger then it doesn't matter because they're just gonna the studios are gonna look at it as free promotion like look at emergency awesome um he plays all the trailers before every single one of his videos and only uses footage from the product itself he has to be getting around it some way um yeah. you know or cinema sense for that matter yeah man like so it's a it's a hassle, but we're gonna get through it though. We're gonna get through it. But um trying to, uh so what got you into nerdy stuff? Um that's the pinnacle question, I guess. It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um for me, I have a, a background with my dad. He was, I guess, OG black nerd back in the 70s and 80s when, you know, it definitely wasn't okay to be a black nerd or to be a nerd in general. And then my mom going into the 90s, you know, being a single parent, her just trying to keep me entertained and all this and that while she worked. Um, You know, my parents, they, in their own way, introduced me to different aspects of it. My mom brought me in with Power Rangers when I was six years old. And my dad, uh, like when I was around three or four, got me into anime and Godzilla and King Kong and just liking movies and just superheroes in general because he collected comics growing up and he had all the toys and everything. So I grew up with a dad that already had stuff that I wanted to play with and just be interested in. 
and I will, you know, be with him and playing with all these toys, things in their mind, but they're his. And going through his comic books and like, oh, I want to be Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or being the X-Men and just learning how to, re- I learned how to read by learning how to read comic books. I learned how to draw by drawing and tracing comic books and things like that. So I'm deep into nerd culture, I feel like, because of my parents and my upbringing. Um, and I, I love it. I'm grateful for it every day. I don't, yeah. I don't think I look back a day and regret being a black nerd. Man, that actually sounds pretty cool to have two nerdy parents. Like, for me, I love my mom, my brother to death, but whenever um, whenever you look at us, we have completely different, like, likes and dislikes. Like, uh, my mom, she will not watch no Marvel movie, no action movie. It has to be a comedy or a drama, and mostly black. And if you've known these black comedies and dramas throughout the years, that shit get repetitive. It does. Um, And I don't mean to correct you, but I don't see my parents as nerdy. Maybe my father, because he collected the comics and things, but because of how he was brought up and how black culture was during his generation of upbringing, uh, he, he didn't go that route. He, it was, he had to hide those things from his friends and family. So he, you know, is more into fishing and um, grown folks stuff that we can't talk about right now and all this and that. And my mom, she's not in the nerd culture at all. She just didn't know what to do with a boy and being a single mother. So she just saw something popular on the news. And next thing I know, I'm watching every single episode of Power Rangers at home since I was a latchkey kid. Um, I had to come home from school five, six years old by myself and be in front of the TV just so she knew I was at home and being safe and not out doing what kids did in the 90s. I don't know, you know, chew bubblegum or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she kind of, that kind of came about just because she didn't know what to do. Um, but she always, like, she will tell me to this day that she always saw that I had this interest in just like, you know, stuff, what you consider nerdy. Like I had... My thing growing up was toys. Like, you know, people love video games and movies and stuff. I had toys growing up. So, you know, when I'm by myself or, you know, I'm at home, you know, because I had nothing but sisters uh, up until that point. So I was just by myself. All I had was my toys and my imagination. And I would play with my toys until they weren't even toys anymore. Then I'll take the rubble of toys and build new toys out of those and then just go around the house taking coaxial cables and things and just building new stuff and she goes back and like creates the uh points that to my creativity and how it led me to being the artist that I am now how it led me to going to art school and led me going to studying video game design and led me into finally being a photographer and content creator man that is really awesome that you that you knew what you wanted to do with your life or you knew you had interest when you were younger, early in your life, and you went through with it. For me, it was like, I don't know, growing up, since, you know, especially in Black, like, as far as communication with, with Black with black children and their parents, especially, because I'm pretty sure you're a 90s baby, right? Yeah. So, so you, so you probably felt, you probably um, experienced some of the disconnect between Black parents and their children. So, you oh, know. yeah. So, you know, as black, so, you know, as you know, growing up black, sorry, folks, we're going to get a little real here. 
but growing up black, you could like back then mental like 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 mental illness such as like you know acute depression and whatnot that was always frowned upon saying basically you crazy or whatnot i'm pretty like i don't know if you if you um if you ever got that around any of your family but black people it just like black people weren't they couldn't afford to be to have some type of mental illness and mental illness now we know isn't a bad thing because everybody goes through some type of depression right but you're right, it didn't exist in the black community because you said the key phrase, we couldn't afford it um, because of how our parents and grandparents had to work and things that they had to go through. And again, being real, we, we black and we live in America. Yeah. Just, just being real, you know, that people look at us as Americans and think we're all equal and stuff. No, that's not the case. Like, you know, we had to work hard and everything. So we don't, I was told, we don't have the luxury to have the problems and privileges that the other have, the other half, the, the majority have, because we can't afford it. Um, and I remember, you know, growing up and having to go through depression and all those things. And, you know, the school telling my mom, I need to go see a therapist and all this and that. And, you know, my mom like, like, what's a therapist? Like, you know, just that kind of crazy thing. Um, and it's good to see the evolution of the community, but like you said, I'm a 90s baby, born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, so I'm in this crosshair of what Black culture was and what Black culture is now and what the community is now, and, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I often kind of struggle adapting to how everyone has caught up when I'm used to the community acting one way, now we're more accepting and open to things and like it's like every day my mind is blown sometimes you know i hate to say it but not i'm not saying that it's a bad thing but it's just like you spend so long being indoctrinated into the culture and understanding where we're coming from and having to learn the truth about our history because they definitely don't teach it to us in school again that's probably getting a little political um but you know you kind of Growing up as a black man in America, you gotta like think like how do you just not be angry every day and just rage against everything and, and how do you deal with this? And then you gotta go home and you have to ignore the problems that you have. You kind of open up a can of worms. Nah, man, like it's all good because this podcast, like I said, it ain't a by the books podcast. I always want people to express themselves as long as in a respectful way. But the reason why I say that is because when I was growing up. See, you um, see you like your like like your like spells of depression. It was public, like so. Somebody would actually tell your mom that oh, you need to see a therapist or not. For me, and it's my fault, but I kept it in because I just felt at times alone and felt like nobody understood me because, like before, like I used to be ashamed of saying that I like so and so cartoons or I like so and so anime. Like I would basically, I basically lie, lie about where I'm from and perceive myself as somebody I'm not. Cause I always thought that that black image, that typical, that stereotypical black image is what people, what you're supposed to be when you're black. But when I got older, I found out that wasn't the case. So I'll just say, you know what? One day I just woke up and say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to embrace my nerdy, my nerdy side. And lo and behold, now the nerd culture is popping. I'd have met so many people that like Star Wars, Marvel comics, DC comics, um, 
the milestone comic. So, and it just blows my mind. Kind of like, where was all this shit when I was in school? You no, know? you're right. You're right. Um, I I interview other black nerds and creatives all the time, and that's literally the one thing we all say that we had in common is like it's okay now, but where was this then? Like we was all the same age then. Um, I remember several times in high school in 2003, 2004, getting bullied by everybody else because I'm with my friends and we all playing Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic the Gathering. Like literally my entire day, I spent $200 building the deck that I, money I didn't have as a 15-year-old thrown away into the garbage at lunch because it's not cool to sit here and play cards at school. You know, I just, I, this is fucking bullshit. I'm sorry, this is fucking bullshit. And like you said, you had to hide your nerdiness. I didn't because I felt like I didn't know any better because like not saying I was raised in the bubble. I was always raised up knowing my history and heritage, but I thought being a five, six year old racism and civil rights and all that stuff was solved. We in the nineties now, I'm equal, you equal. And I'm in Georgia public schools. Georgia public schools in the 90s was terrible. Oh, man, look. For racism, by the way. Look, I will mean to cut you off, but you know what's <laughs> so funny, man? I actually used to stay in um, in Georgia. Like, like uh, I, I was there. I was there, like, uh, for my grade school years. I lived, I lived in Stockbridge. I lived in Lawrenceville. I lived in McDonough. So... Yeah, I I definitely know. See, now I stay in Texas and like I can say, <laughs> I can say this about Texas. I respect the races here in Texas because at least they if they don't like your black ass, they'll tell it to your face. I I agree with you. <laughs> I like the races that lets you know what they about. At least they can tell you to your face because we still in Atlanta. Like we get a lot of the just everyday people who you see every day and then up oh, their secret races. That's just how it is. It's Georgia. Like, you know, it's so funny. Um, I'm from Atlanta and Atlanta's like a, a completely different universe. That is the state of Georgia. Um, you know, Atlanta is a predominantly black city. There's black business owners, black, you know, people in government, uh, predominant black celebrities you know most of the teams in Atlanta are black or people of color uh, the Latinos community uh, is huge here the Asian community is huge here uh, the Koreans and Japanese everybody has their part of Atlanta that they can call their home and then on the outside of Atlanta is everybody else and when I mean everybody else I mean the people who I didn't name um <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's red state. It's deep red state. Like, Atlanta's like a blue jewel in, in, in the reddest, redneckest part of the South. And it's crazy. You can, like, go 10 minutes outside of Atlanta and you literally in a whole nother world and you don't feel comfortable. Yeah, man, but I got to say, like, even though, like, my family's from Chicago, like, I love the city of Chicago. Man, Atlanta culture, well, Black culture in Atlanta is just so amazing. When it comes to music, when it comes to music, like movie stars, like like y'all basically the new Hollywood at this point. And exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. And what makes me so mad, cause like me, I was I'm a huge, I'm a huge hip hop fan, whether it's from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s to now. 
So I begin mad at black people when they be talking down on their own music. I like y'all, y'all do know that's what they want you to do, right? They want you to reject your culture, whether you like it or not. I tell you all the time, like people be uh, putting down trap music or whatnot. I said, not all trap music is bad and the same. People forget like Migos and them, Future and them. Like those are, to me, those are the good trap artists. Th- th- those are the good trap artists. And you got, and you got um people, you got these rap groups like the Dungeon Family who pioneered black music in Atlanta and was made it so prominent, but they refused to embrace their music. Now, I'm not saying all the music good because some, some of this shit trash, but it's just a shame that I hear a lot of black people, especially in my friend circle, they talk down on black, on rap and hip hop. It's like rap and hip hop is a major thing for us especially like during especially for social issues like we use rap to express ourselves no matter in what way shape or form i have a i agree with you but i do have a caveat um because i'm here i'm i'm born raised and bred here in the city and i agree with you to an extent yes it's for the culture it's how we express ourselves it's literally the one thing we have that, you know, white people haven't taken from us. Um, and they're taking that from us as we speak now, too. Um, but there's a limit. Like, there's good rap in hip-hop and there's bad rap in hip-hop. And I'm in Atlanta where everybody, their mom and their uncle and their daddy, got a recording studio in their basement who know a homie that can hook them up. And they think they're going to be the next best Southern great rapper from Atlanta. And they are not because they don't want to put in the work, time, effort and dedication to be it. They just want the famous celebrity, the drinking, the smoking weed and just performing. But they don't look at what those other artists that came before them that blew up from the city, what they did and the struggles that they had to face. So it's a lot of people here in the city who just want to take the easy way out. And that's just something in life, you know, just in the generations of millennials and Gen Z, people just want to take the easy way route and not work for it and understand the groundwork that came before them. So you kind of, because I'm around it like that, I see that I can see the people who really have talent and work on their craft and the people who just want to take the easy way out. Oh yeah, no, I completely understand, but I'm just saying, like I hear a lot of people, they just talk down on rap music and like, one thing I've always hated is how they say hip hop ain't like how it used to be. I'm like, y'all do know that hip hop been the same since the nineties and the eighties. They're like, just like you, you had your Cardi B's for you, for your Cardi B's, there was your MC hammers and some mix a lot. So it's like, like they're like, I just always feel like um, the other side, the, the other side, they try to make you, make us hate our culture and and what we can bring to society and like me i don't fall for it because because i like stuff like like yeah like yeah a lot of the shit i watch is like is like a nerdy shit but like if, if it's a good black show I'm, I'm gonna take a look at it like i just started abbott elementary and that shit is hilarious i'm about to watch archive 81 and review it this weekend because like you know like i said uh someone brought to my attention i do need to push more black things but it's harder for me because i don't watch much tv and when i do it's normally superhero stuff or anime 
Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, first thing I want to say is, uh, just as a whole, I wish Black people, especially the our generation and younger, really researched and appreciated what Black culture has contributed to world culture. Um, I remember growing up being scolded for listening to rock and roll music when we, in history, Black people- We created awesome. it. Right, we created it. Led Zeppelin and all those great rock artists, old black rhythm, blues, and soul artists from the 40s and 50s for rock music. A black man invented the electric guitar. And I'm being scolded by my family for listening to, to Christian rock music, which is so weird because I'm not a Christian or anything. Um, and just being like, that's not what we as black people listen to. I remember growing up a lot hearing um, a lot of what I liked not being okay because it's not what black people did. Black people didn't watch Japanese cartoons or cartoons in general. Black people didn't play with toys. Black people didn't have time to have mental illnesses or go to the doctor. Black people don't do this and don't do that. And I'm like, that's so much toxic and just bad shit built into our culture that prevent us from being our better self. And I agree with you with the divisiveness within the community. Um, you can go back and look at everything in our American history and saw and see how they have made everything in society to divide us uh, just within the community. There's so much sexism and classism, homophobia, transphobia within the black community itself. It's amazing that we still try to function as a community sometimes. Yeah, um, man. Go to church on Sunday and everybody's sitting there front in everybody's face, but then soon church service over where everybody talking about the pastor, the first lady done did this, brother did, brother John done did that, and somebody said somebody wife. It's always that. And I've always felt as a black kid growing up, like what does it matter what I'm into? Why can't we all just come together as a community like Dr. King and Malcolm X and all of our great leaders said, oh, because they killed them and said we should be more like them. And I took that kind of to heart. Yeah, like um, go, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Now you good, but like speaking of blacks, speaking of speaking of like black culture influence and things, one thing like going back to the whole what got you in the comics thing, or nerdy nerdy shit. One thing that really resonated me was a little TV show that was on Cartoon Network had a had a young black kid living basically just trying to be a teenager and he just so happened to have powers and he was like me and you he was black and he had dreads of course folks i'm talking about static shock static shock and spider-man were the two heroes i resonated with spider-man because he was he he was actually he was like us he had problems like us he was broke like us he had relationship problems like us He's having to cope with different types of struggles like us. So I resonate with Spider-Man. And then for Static, that was my first time seeing a Black superhero on TV. I saw Steel and, and uh, Blank Man, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, man, like Static really got me into comics. That And then the first comic I ever got was the X-Men. I mean, it was the there was the ultimate X Man, which was shitty, but it was still something I got to experience. And ever since then, 
I've been going nonstop. And for us, like, I'm so glad that we have, we had a movie like Black Panther because Black, like Black Panther is very important. It was very important to, um, to not only the comic book movie world, but to, to the, the Black culture as well. And um, yeah, I'm just so glad to see that. I'm just so, so glad to see that more Black stuff is being pushed in the mainstream. If only we can get a live action icon of hardware now, I'd be happy. I do want to see that. Um, but I agree. Again, I agree and disagree with you. I think one thing that I like about, especially this type of format, is that we as Black nerds just get to pick each other's brain and just go through each other's experiences. Um, I've experienced a lot of what you've experienced um, and then some growing up. And like you said, uh, you grew up like in Static Shock. I grew up like in Static Shock too. Um, because I was indoctrinated by my dad into a lot of this, I grew up with like knowing who Storm was before the 90s X-Men cartoon came out, but that came out and then you see Storm in action. Um, you know, you can't help but like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. And she just controlled the weather. That's like one of the best powers ever. Um, there are things that came out in the 90s that I don't want to talk about. Um, Sam and Steel and uh, Blank. I kind of respect Blank Man a little bit. Um, a little bit. Uh, but there's a couple of things in the 90s that stuck out to me that were like huge for like Black culture. Um, and I, I well, I'm gonna just say this off the top of my head. This may date me and how old I am, but I remember religiously watching Robert Townsend in Meteor Man. Oh um, yeah, yeah. My, my, my co-host Adam talks about Meteor Man all the time. Oh my god, I love that movie. I still to this day can quote it line for line. It had a. Uh, Eddie Griffin in it. It had like you can go back and look at it and see all the product, the big black celebrities from the 80s and 90s and 2000s, and even people who are going to this day, like who like uh Don Cheadle is in it. He's in the MCU now. Like that movie is so amazing, so huge and important for black culture. Like you can say all you want about Black Panther. Um, Black Panther didn't do it first. It was Meteor Man. It was a few other things before that, but Meteor Man was the thing in geek culture before Black Panther. Because I have, I love Black Panther too, don't get me wrong, but I got some issues about it. Like, it wasn't Chadwick Boseman's oh. best performance. He got outperformed by just about everybody else who had speaking lines. Um, same versus same at the end. I, I'm not a big fan of that in any type of superhero movie. Uh, you know, you had Killmonger versus Black Panther, they both are great and don't right, but it was just same versus same at the end with an ex machina MacGuffin at the end of how the chat would save the day. Uh, Killmonger, obviously, hands down, the best villain the MCU has had up until um, the Foe read the prizes. I was about to say, man, but like, I'm so, but like, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm so glad you brought up your problems with Black Panther because that's always been my problem. Ever since the movie came out, it like I love the movie for what for what it I love the movie for, for what it did for black culture and I, I really appreciate it. Like I can still watch it over and over again. Right. But whenever I bring it up, that's it's not that it's not my favorite. It's like I get stone storm, like no, like I I judge it like any other Marvel movie. Like I said, for years and to this day, all, a lot of movies still a lot of movies suffer. That third Marvel act. 
it brings movies down for me, just ju- just for me. Like Shang Chi, like Shang Chi, I love Shang Chi, but that third act when they did that, when they did that, uh, that big old fireworks show at the end, it kind of took me out the movie. I, I agree with you. It was a bit much because I was enjoying the kung fu martial arts aspect of the movie because you haven't seen that in Marvel up until this point. And they just added way too much mystical magicness into it um, by the end of it with the Dragon Ball Z style fighting and things like that. I'm like, uh, okay, this is cool, but we've seen it before. Yeah, man. It's just so, but I tell people all the time, my favorite MC movie to this day will always be The Winter Soldier. I don't, even Spider-Man still hasn't topped that for me. No way has a top for me just because of how different that movie was from the MCU and still is as is different to this day because that that's like a spy thriller slash superhero movie slash uh espion like it just so many it got so many hats thrown in it and I just love that about it but enough about that um now how do you feel about them bringing back Blade um I'm usually not a fan of them coming out doing remakes and reboots and things of that nature. Um, in this sense, I think it's acceptable to finally bring Blade back uh, into the MCU fold. Because when you think about it historically, what movie really was it that started the whole superhero movie genre? You can, some people say X Men, some people say Blade, some people say Spider Man. I say is Blade because it did come out around that time. Uh, and it was the first one. And Blade is a Marvel property, just not a part of the MCU. And Wesley Snipes did an amazing job in that movie. The first two Blade movies were fantastic. Um, we don't talk about three. We, we just don't talk about three. I wasn't going to bring it up. I, <laughs> I clearly wasn't going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think it's good that they're bringing it back in. Mahersha Ali, I think, is a almost perfect fit. I like what he's done in his career so far. And it seems like Wesley Snipes is also still going to be there in some type of way or role behind the scenes. And I feel like they're going to do it justice and actually pay homage to it because I trust in Kevin Feige. Oh, yeah. What he's done with MCU. He is the best. He is the best executive producer in, um, in, in, film, in the film industry right now. I really wish DC would get it together because I'm a DC kid at heart. Oh, you poor child. I, I, man, man, look, I, I know I've had to suffer for so long. But like I said, the, the first th- like the first things I was like I was introduced to, it was like things like Batman and Superman, the Justice League. Like I've watched I've watched all those all those series like so many times over. And yeah, like DC has its problems as movies, but for me, their comics have always been been phenomenal. They've had a lot of like they've had a few misses, like New Fifty Two. I just can't stand New Fifty Two. A lot of people don't like New Fifty Two. Yeah, but like for the most part, I've always loved Batman. But like in DC, Batman and the Flash are my favorite. And yes, I know people are so tired of Batman, but I tell people all the time. Just for me, I've never really. It's more to Batman than just Batman himself. What makes Batman intriguing is his rogues gallery and the stories that they tell and his bat and the Bat family. 
Shoot. I feel like what makes Batman intriguing to me, because he's one of my favorites. Uh, don't get me wrong, because I definitely, I am, excuse me, I am not a Superman guy. Um, fuck Superman for all I care. Batman is the shit. Um, and, like, like he's, like, I don't know why I related to, like, characters like Batman and Spider-Man and uh, uh, John Stewart Green Lantern so much. I just like their characters for some reason. Um, but, like, you know, I have my bias about DC characters and what DC has done. I have my bias about Marvel and what they have done. And to this day, I say, like, um, I agree with you. The DCEU needs a lot of work. It needs help. It's a dumpster fire um, about to explode. And they need to figure it out because the MCU is killing them there. But the thing that I never understood is, like, their animated series, um, all of the Warner Brothers properties that they come out with, like Flashpoint, Crisis Zone, Infinite Earths, um, um, uh, Superman, Red Sun, all of those type of movies, they're fantastic little 45-minute, hour-and-a-half-long animated movies that tell really great stories. And I'm like, why don't you just adapt those into the DCEU? That, that you already have it there. Just do it. And I never understood that. But they're trying to do all this dark and gritty artsy shit is not working for them. Um, all the directors and direction they're going in is not working for them. Like, look at how successful the, Zyder, uh, the Zack Snyder cut was with Justice League just last year. Yeah, and that's my thing. Isn't for me, I don't think the problem is it being dark and gritty because that's just what that's what DC is. DC, especially nowadays, is dark and gritty. The problem is, unlike Kevin, Fe- like unlike Kevin Feige, Walter Amada, he doesn't have a love for the source material, and you can tell because every like for me all the time, I love The Dark Knight. That's one of my favorite Batman movies. But I never liked Christian Bale as Batman because Christian Bale, he to me, he's not Batman. He was an okay Bruce Wayne just because he a pretty ass white man. But he just never embodied the character of Batman for me. So when people be looking at me crazy, when I say, in my opinion, I prefer Ben Affleck over Christian Bale, that's just because me knowing the comics, the Batman, the Batman he plays is is um the batman from the dark knight from the dark knight returns which is one of the best batman stories ever made and i and for one i've always hated the stiff fight choreography in the dark knight movies it it, it looked like he was struggling to just move in that suit but not only was ben affleck he had that he had that troubled just tired of this shit old man personality but he also had, in my opinion, one of the greatest Batman fights in a live action movie when he was in that warehouse. But that's just me. And I respect people who like Christian Bell because, you know, those are good movies, except for three. But those are good. Those are good movies. And Heath Ledger gave us one of the best drug, drug performances ever. I think for me, because um, you're right, Christian Christian Bale kind of doesn't do it for me as Batman, as Bruce Wayne. I agree, but as Batman, no. Um, but like he wasn't why I was watching those movies. It was a Christopher Nolan movie, and he was doing his thing with those movies, the direction-wise. Um, and like you said, Heath Fletcher as the Joker. Um, 
may he rest in peace, but I just wish like we would have gotten so much more out of him in that role um, because he's still to this day, I think the only other person I can compare him to as far as like roles and like acting performances is to Mark Hamill's Joker. Oh yeah, um, and uh, and only through the animated series in some degree, but like I got those type of vibes. Like I can't imagine nobody else in, in these roles, and now I have to because you're not here no more. You gave us gold, and you was like, "I'm out." That was my swan song. Yeah, man, it's just I, that's why I'm really hoping, I'm praying that this Robin Pattinson Batman does well, and I think me, I have faith in it. Because for one, DC movies have been on the uptick. So the the Snyder Cut was phenomenal. It's one of my favorite DC movies. Yeah, it's long, but I still love it because it was everything we should have got fucking in 2017. Um, then the Suicide Squad, it fixed all the problems from the first one. Yes, it did. Because, oh, ooh, that first one. Um, and... Um, Wonder Woman, the first one was good. The second one was shit. Right, uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, trying to think what else. And then uh, what we're about to talk about, that show right there is the most fun I've had watching the DC TV show. <laughs> you know, I, I want to start by just saying this since we're about to get into it. Um, we're about to start talking about Peacemaker. And I, I, who, I wish I could be in the spoiler episode with you on Sunday. Um but I, it's the most fun I've had watching any, like, superhero universe on the TV show. Because uh, Disney Plus and the MCU Disney versus kind of, they got my interest, but they just kind of lost it that quickly. But, like, with this, with Peacemaker, I'm, I'm glued. I'm going to go after we record and rewatch all four of those episodes just because I'm having so much fun watching it and just enjoying it. It's all the best parts from the Suicide Squad movie, just thrown into this. And I'm enjoying every second of it. There's not a boring character. There's not a boring story. There's not a boring line in that entire series. Yeah, man, I'm really loving the show. And one thing I do love about this show, the main character that, well, even though Peacemaker is Peacemaker show, the main character that we following, she's black. And not not only is she black, but she's not like the typical light-skinned skinny black woman that they always try to get she is uh she is a um a big bone black woman like and they need more representation and she's they don't play her for laughs or comedy or nothing they play her as a series of woman of course it's comedy because it's, it's a comedic show but she right. still she still has her moments where she can show her acting skills and i and i like that because if you've known if you know just how Black women are portrayed in movies. It's always the light-skinned women at the front, the dark-skinned women in the back. And I've always and I've always had a problem with that. But I'm really loving this show. But now that we've finally got the segue into that, we about to um get into um Peacemaker. Now, let me tell you about this show. I was not expecting John Cena to kill it as peacemaker now that john cena has played peacemaker i just want him to keep playing it forever that man that man knows the assignment and he is excelling so well everybody has always said that john cena he's a bad actor 
I never thought he was a bad actor. I feel like he always he excels at comedy. Comedy is his niche. Like how how um action is the rock's niche. Like comedy is John Cena's. No. I and I just love I just love him as Peacemaker because he just playing to me. I still feel like it's just it's how John it's how John Cena wants to be in other movies, but he has to hold back because he had to keep his image in that um, wrestler company that we cannot name due to legal reasons. How do you feel about John Cena, man? So I have a bit of a confession to make. What's up? Um, I don't know how I'm gonna how this is gonna be perceived, but John Cena is the reason why I started to hate wrestling. Once he came in and started being successful and winning and the whatever that we can't name, I was like, I'm out. I can't do this no more. Wrestling stupid. It's fake. I can't do it. So to see him play Peacemaker, uh, Chris Smith, in this role, he's trying to be a superhero. He's convincing everybody he's a superhero when he's kind of really not. I'm like, I'm, I I have to stand up and give the man a standing ovation because I just have this such a negative persona of who he is as a person because I just don't like him. But seeing him here, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, he's literally going to give The Rock for uh, for his money for being the best wrestler turned actor in Hollywood and, uh, and he's going to kill it. Um, I like you. I want to see John Cena in more of this. I think he was a perfect fit for the role. I can't see nobody else kind of playing it. And he is killing it to the T. He's playing the, like, he's not a dumb character. He's not playing a dumb character, but he's kind of acting kind of dumb. He's racist in a bit. He's sexist and misogynist, and he kind of just doesn't know it. And he's charming and charismatic. And I'm like, how do I care about John Cena so much? I did not know he was going to like act and kill it we saw the uh suicide squad and i was like okay he's only doing this because he's bouncing off the cast around him with idris elba and uh marco uh ruby as holly quinn so that's why he's being like this but no he it transitioned well from the movie it's even better in the show i feel like (laughs) and um i agree with you her name uh the actress danielle brooks um, if you don't know, she's from Orange is the New Black, which was a really popular Netflix series. And now she's in this. And I love every second she's on screen. Um, and matter of fact, the entirety of the cast that they pick is picking this. Um, oh, my God. Martial Arts Master. Love him to death. Oh, to my Judo Master. Yeah, man. Judo Master. Yeah, I just love him to death. Like, just... Yeah! And just, oh, my God. Like, um, John uh, Economist, weird name. Um, I'm loving the entire cast. There's not a weak performance that I've seen so far. All right. Uh, but it's definitely being carried by John Cena's performance. Now, okay, I know, like, okay, so I know, like, our spoiler-filled review of episode four comes out on Sunday, but you are free to talk, but, we, but we're free to talk about everything from one, one to three, uh, episode one to three. Now, okay, I, okay. Now, I love... There's some people that did not like the ridiculousness of the Suicide Squad, but for me, I just love it because we're finally able to have fun in the DC EU now. And for them to use the butterflies as villains 
it is the it is the funniest shit. I can just picture so many funny scenarios happening, like them killing the wrong person because they thought that they were a butterfly and they're actually not, and just different comedy things. But you talking about John Cena stealing the show? One person that has stolen the show for me is Adrian Chase, um, Adrian Chase, um, aka Vigilante. Oh that- yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree, one hundred percent stole the show. Um, like just from the moment he hit that first scene in the first uh episode where he was the but the bus boy, he kind of st- started stealing the show. Um, like every movie, everything I watch, I try to have just this secret character who I know is gonna die or something's gonna bad happen to him. I just go root for that underdog character, and he's that he's like this perfect persona of crazy and self-righteousness, like. Everything he says, I believe. I know, you know, some of the stuff he says is dumb, but I'm like, no, but I can believe that he believes this shit. And it's, he's killing the role. He's 100% killing the role. Oh, you got to see episode four. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, like, mm. I've, like, I've watched mm. episode four, and like that episode four, it just proved to me how much I love um, Vigilante. Like, Freddie Stroma, the actor that plays him, he does such a great job because one thing that I've liked about certain characters, like I like, I like the character Deadpool is because just because he like, you never, you rarely see his face, but he's so animated and he has a personality. And I see that a little bit in Vigilante. Cause if you read the comics, Vigilante is nothing like how he is in the show, but I like, but I like that. I like how they can have fun with these characters and speaking of uh, characters, now one character, one actor that does a great job because he makes me absolutely hate him is Peacemaker's daddy. Ooh, I can't, ooh, I can't stand. He's a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Not only, not only is he racist, man is sexist. That man is the typical, he, that man is the, the typical uh, conservative and I cannot stand him just because all his views are skewed. And th- even though we can't say it now, but episode four really showed us how much of a piece of shit that he really is. Yeah, um, I, I that actor, I, can't, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but he's killing that role. Like I said, there's no weak performances in this entire production whatsoever. James Gunn is doing an amazing job directing everyone and putting everyone in the best position to just let their talent shine and he you're right like he's doing such a good job i'm like if i ever see this man in the street i'm gonna have to hurt him because like that's just too much evil in in one person right there and and daniel brooks like oh my episode four i'm gonna have to drop in on 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 your podcast on sunday and just talk about episode four yeah man like oh i just love this show and if y'all okay, so like I said, we can spoil things from episode one to three. All right. Now, I like now when he went to prison, when uh, Robert Patrick got framed, I when he went to prison, like, oh yeah, somebody finally gonna fuck him up. But then I found out this motherfucker has his own little cult in the prison. Because for y'all that don't know, he played he um is this character called the White Dragon, who literally <laughs> who literally is basically a grand wizard in the KKK. That is literally what he is in the comics. 
I don't know if you read any Charlton um, Charlton comics, but that is literally what this man is. So in every form, he is a piece of shit. But I love Robert Patrick as his man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's doing a great job. And I I got a couple things to say. Um, so I'm not familiar with Peacemaker and a lot of the characters from the comics with this because of, you know, I have limited experiences with DC Comics and all the outside, uh, you know, all the other comics companies that they've absorbed over the years. But I love finding out and exploring these characters being portrayed by these actors and actresses. I think uh, is doing a great job. And I think that in the superhero franchise as a whole, that this is what we needed. We needed more Deadpools, more of the rated R stuff, the boys, Invincibles, uh, stuff like that. That's what, because don't get me wrong, I love the MCU a lot. They're doing great things. But at the end game, I'm like, what's next? We saw the hero save the day what's next there's so much in comic book lore you can do there's more grittier heroes there are villains who are heroes there are villains who are just the best villains that can ever be villains and and there's so much more to this world what else are you going to show are, are they just going to keep making these movies for the quick money grab or are they actually trying to tell some stories and introduce some of these deeper darker characters and stronger character tones uh story tropes and I see them doing that with this with Peacemaker. So I love it. I love that it's rated R. I love it's on HBO Max and it's not for kids. It's just, it's for us. It's for the grownups who grew up reading and watching this stuff and want to see, you know, Superman do fatalities finally. So this is perfect. I think this is the perfect thing that the superhero genre needed is, is Peacemaker. Yeah. It's so weird to say that. Yeah, man. Like, I just love this show. Every character is just so entertaining, especially like all the interactors are funny, especially between um, John Cena's Peacemaker and um, I think his name is Newt Lee. I mean, not Newt Lee, uh, Freddie Stroma, uh, Freddie Stroma's Vigilante and then the Judo Master and Peacemaker interaction just in the second or in the third episode. I was laughing my ass off the whole time. It's flicking hot Cheetos in the man's face. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, that was hilarious. (laughs) Like, man, like everything about this show is just funny. It's written really well. And James Gunn or whoever's writing the show, I think it's James Gunn. He does a great job to not only to give us room to actually get to know the humanity of Peacemaker and what he's really like. Because to be honest, when I first saw Suicide Squad, oh, he's just a piece of shit. But I mean, he is still a piece of shit, but we learned that his dad made him that way because in, in on the inside, he just really wants to be he wants friends and he's lonely. Like the man legit breaks down crying because he knows he's a piece of shit and that he's lonely. So I do like that because it gives the character more dimension than just being a an asshole. Right. And uh, let's try to what else can I say about the show that I already haven't had? I haven't said, man, like, I just love this show. I just, oh, if I had to give this a rating, I'm trying to do rating system. I ha- I would have to say that this is that gourmet shit right here. I love, I love this right here. I love okay. this show. Like, man, it is, I can, I can consume it all day, every day, every minute, every hour, every second. James Gunn, you were doing a great job. And Warner Brothers, you better not fuck shit up 
with James Gunn because he low-key kind of saved what y'all got going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely he's saving whatever they got going on. But, yeah, uh, how you feel about the show, man? Um, Overall, uh, like I'm like you. I don't really do a rating system. I just want to enjoy it for what it is. Um, but like I said, it's I think it's the breath of fresh air that the genre needed. Um, I think it being in an hour-long format, I think they're going to do about 10 episodes. I think it fits perfectly. Um, every At the end of every episode, I'm left wanting to see more. I love the little uh, after-credit extra takes that they do from like just taking some of the ad-libbing that they do on set and just putting it into um, a little mini scene, just giving us a little extra taste of an extended scene. I like that. A lot. I want to see more from John Cena. I want to see him bring this to the big screen because um, he. I feel like he's better in the show than he was in the Suicide Squad. But it was a lot of competing um, components in that that you know he didn't have a lot of time to shine, even though he was still kind of more of the main focus throughout the whole film. Um, and just seeing John Cena interact with the B characters from the Suicide Squad and seeing Daniel Brooks come in and kind of, you know, be, uh, uh, I'm not, you know what, I'm not going to say anything, but just have her come in and see her performance. I love the show. Um, I definitely say it's a must watch. It's definitely, definitely hands down the best thing of 2022 so far. And I know that's saying that. I know we got a whole year to go, but it, I can see this time in December or, you know, this time next year, it's going to definitely be the highlight of 2022. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. And man, go and somebody's HBO Max account and watch it. I'll give you mine just to go watch it. No, I won't because it ain't mine. I'm doing it too. I'm <laughs> man, and what's so crazy and what, what works so well is that they tie, like, they rip scenes from the movie and put it right into the show and have it be part of the show. Like him killing Rip Hunter, we finally see that he didn't just do it because he wanted to. He actually feels remorse and regret for doing what he did. And not only that, I went back and watched Suicide Squad or The Suicide Squad. I'm sorry. Um, when you go back and watch his scenes, especially in, at the club, like especially at the club, you look at him so differently now because like at first when I, was, I was wondering in the movie why was he dancing by himself but then you realize he danced by himself because he's a loner he like like he's a loner and then all the all the dick measuring contest with Idris Elba's character Bloodsport is because that's his dad just taught him that you should always be the best no matter what and you should basically hate black people that's another thing <laughs> but that's another thing and not only that the scene with um with um when Idris Elba was talking about his father, talking about his father himself. Now I see why John Cena smirked, smirked a little bit because he saw a lot of Idris Elba's father and his father. And like just so many things in that movie that involve Peacemaker, you see it with a, with the new eyes now after seeing the show. And I just love the show for doing that because it makes me appreciate the suicide squad a whole lot more than I already did. Right, right. No, you're right. And I'm definitely going to go back and give the movie a second look when the season's over with. Yeah, man. Now, we talked about one one uh, DC property that I really liked. We're going to talk about one that I'm not really sure about. I'm kind of scared for. And we have folks, we are talking about Naomi. 
I have yet to watch episode two yet, but off of episode one, it's a lot of complaints. It's a lot of complaints. But if y'all don't know, um, the characters made by Brian Michael Bendis, and one of Brian, one of Brian Michael Bendis's biggest flaws in all of his stories is he paces his things very slow. And I really hope that things pick up in episode two of Naomi, because like I was talking to you off the air, we need more uh, POC characters. We need more POC characters because there's not that many of us. And when we are, we're either in the background or what I like to call it the black ground. And it sucks because there's so many good uh, POC characters out there. Like Naomi, she is a dope character. You got um, over over Marvel. You got Monica Rambo. Um, you got um, Kamala Khan. She's a good POC character, and um, it's just a lot. I can I can go on and on for days, especially if you go back to DC, because then you got milestones such as Icon, Hardware, and all of that. So I really hope that the CW gets it right, but I do not like the CW, so I am very scared for it. They had a few shows I like, like Superman Lois. I actually do like that show. I, I, I like it. It was something different that they tried. I started liking The Flash until season seven when uh, they started using lightsabers. That that kind of threw me out. Black Lightning, they canceled that after three seasons. I'm like, well, thanks, 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 CW, for taking away things that I like. But I just really hope that Naomi gets better because... It deserves it. It it deserve it. It deserves to be good. I just say that. Maybe I'm just saying it because I'm biased. Because she black, and I like to see black characters. But I just really hope that it turns out better than that first episode. Because that first episode, it was uneventful. It was really uneventful. Hmm. Um. So unfortunately, I haven't had the. <laughs> I haven't been able to watch the show yet, but it's kind of funny that you bring it up because I had a friend of mine. Um, she sent me a link to the show because I had no idea it was coming out um, for other reasons. But um, she sent me a link and she said, uh, hey, why don't you, um, you know, do like an episode of your podcast or something on your YouTube channel about, you know, black women and diversity and things like that. I was like, Oh, okay. Let me check it out. I'm not familiar with the character or the product or this particular production. But when I saw the trailer, I saw that it's being, it's a CW show. I instantly was worried because um, CW does teenage drama. Well, CW does not do superhero stories. Well, like you, I was a fan of The Flash up until I didn't even I don't even know what you're talking about with lightsabers because I watched it on Netflix. So I wait for a season, the next season to come out after it's already aired. So I try to stay away from spoilers. Um, but I've not heard good things so far, and I'm not interested in seeing it. I think the best thing that they did and led up to the crosses on Infinite Earth saga, where they did the huge mix-up, uh mashup with all their shows. That's where I was watching up to. And then once that was over with, I'm like, cool. I don't have to ever go back and watch this stuff again. Um, I struggled trying to get through Arrow. Matter of fact, I never liked Arrow. I never got into it. It was really only The Flash. And then once they got Supergirl, um, that kind of kept me in it. Um, and then, you know, they also had Black Lightning. And I was like, oh, cool. Let me like Black Lightning. Nope. 
can't like Black Lightning. They're doing the same thing that they did with Static Shock that ultimately didn't like. And it's the, why does the Black superhero, A, has to have electrical powers, B, his enemy is gangs and violence and being the beacon of light for his community. Why can't we just get regular superhero stories with just Black characters? Why do we always have to be the pillar of light for everybody that's Black? Um, and I hate how they try to do that with the few Black characters and PLC characters we have that, um, yeah, there's more PLC characters out there and they're bringing a lot more of those to light, but they're also making them the pillar of you need to be like them type of thing instead of showing the diversity within these communities that they're now bringing to the forefront. See, I don't really have a problem with them, like for them being a pillar like to the community. Cause I don't mind it if it's done well. Like my like when I played uh, Sp- um, Spider Man Miles Morales on the PS Five, I liked what they did with Miles because at the end of the game, th- what you got from what you got from the end of the game was basically the city of New York saying that's our Spider like the city of Harlem saying that's our Spider Man. I think it was Harlem. It might have been Queens, but I like that about. Miles Morales, and it was showing that he is a pillar of light for his community because he helps it out. But the CW has problems because the CW, even though I'm, I agree with all a lot of their views, it is just too liberal. It it is just way too liberal. I agree. It's not a perfect reflection of the country we, we live in. I feel like it's selling the so, people watching it this false sense of what they're it's a fairy tale. Yeah, it's a fairy tale. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to put any generation or anything down, but like millennials, I'm a millennial, you're a millennial, Gen Z, I get enough of this. Be what, be Superman, but in reality, we're all Homelander. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard that. Um, oh, no, I've always said that. Okay, never- yeah, like as an American, as America, we all view ourselves like we're Superman, but in reality, we're Homelanders. Because because the thing is, humans are designed are are designed to be flawed. That's what makes us unique towards everybody. But it's but it's a matter of what you do with those flaws, and it's what you do with those flaws. It's whether you embrace those flaws or you succumb to those flaws. And yeah, I just the CW has been a pain in my side. Sometimes either it's just too liberal. Or it's just Batwoman, aka the shit horrible, and, and it has a black woman lead, and and I still hate it to this day. I I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I but, never gave Batwoman a chance. A day of light. Um, I think I saw the pilot episode, and after that, I was like, I know this is going to fail. It's not going to be good. You would have I'm not enjoying would, what I'm seeing. Like, what are they doing to these characters? You would have a much more fun time grinding your dick in a blender i hate it. i oh I, jesus okay yeah yeah no nah, like yeah. my friend robbie knows i hate that show i hate that show so much and it's so crazy because i like the character batwoman batwoman is badass but then when i watch the show like this is not and then they got the black dude uh, luke uh, luke Fo- uh, lucius fox son luke fox being a bitch in the show i'm like so the one black character the first black character y'all gave us he's a bitch you you make him a bitch, and then they made him. Um, they try to make him Batwing in the show, but I'm like, 
you showed me that he was a bitch at the very beginning. So how would I think of him as a badass now? You you introduced you introduced him to me as a bitch. So that's what he is to me. Is just a bitch. I don't got no problem with the actor. The actor he does what he can with the role. But them CW writers, they, I feel like they got their degree off of online because that writing is bad. The writing's bad. The CGI just falling off. Um, I'm glad that they're shortening the seasons because I don't know if you remember with the Flash and the Arrow. But them seasons were long as hell. Oh yeah, like twenty episodes. Oh, oh my god. But yeah, man. Hopefully the CW gets better. But um, one more thing before we go. What I normally do is I like to play. Well, actually, two things before we go. Like I like to play uh trailers and stuff of new things that's coming out. Now I don't know. Now I know you said you don't like you haven't been feeling the Disney Plus stuff like that. Me. This is a lot, it's a few things that I, I well I liked all of them I liked all of them um, just because it's a lot of things it's a lot of characters that I wanted to see like I'm glad to got to see Wandavision and them actually make her Scarlet Witch it still blows my mind that she was never the Scarlet Witch in the movies can I think back like oh wait they never called us they always called her Wanda so I'm glad that they, that they finally made her the Scarlet Witch uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, like I just like that because that shit had to be said. In the well, in a, oh, okay, all right. Since you brought it up, let's just kind of quickly talk about it. So I mentioned it in one of my podcasts I did uh, last week. Yeah, I heard um, it. Yeah, me and my guests we talk about the Disney Plus series, and I do like the Disney Plus series, but it's just it seems like that they're good at setting the trap and getting you to watch, and they just kind of fail at sticking the landings, like. Falcon and Winter Soldier would have been my favorite, except how they ended it with a motherfucking Dr. King speech. I'm sorry. I will not <laughs> get over that. If that do better speech, come on. He sat there. He saved the day. Gave a Dr. King speech. Well, I get rich why I didn't mind it because me, I, I'm, I like to be on my TikTok and I just saw all these racist motherfuckers. Talking about talking about Falcon Winter Soldier, so I guess I like that speech just for some effect. He was basically talking to all them racist pieces of shit that make all these black TikTok creators cry because they because like they really felt those scenes with Isaiah Bradley and um and um what's this and Sam Wilson and then all these racist motherfuckers in the comments talking about we don't need this woke shit. So I'm like nah. Sam's right. Y'all need to do better because I tell everybody all the time. A lot of these char- a lot of these characters, a lot of these villains, they only villains because they get fucked over by the one percenters. They always get fucked over by the one percenters, and it's a running joke. But if you want, if you're gonna keep it a buck, Tony Stark has created most of the uh, the Avengers villains. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> And I don't know if you noticed this. I know we're going tangent. I don't know if you noticed, but did you notice that in What If, Tony always died in one in some shape or form? I did. I did. Because I was like, <laughs> damn, they love killing some Tony Stark. Like, like this is the fifth time they, by the end of What If, five times in the entirety of the MCU, they've killed Tony Stark. Um, and I'm like, that. there has to be something there to that. Um, but to the racist thing, going back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, I guess the reason why I don't like 
the do better speech is because I knew it wasn't for us. We black, we get it. Yeah, you know, yeah, true. Everybody got to do better. So to see Sam Wilson, the new Captain America, his debut as Captain America, the wingsuit, um, save the day. He got the shield, did all the cool stuff in the air. The hel- helicopter hitting the vibranium shield and just dunking off and being all anticlimactic. I was cool with all that. And then you just, your enemy at the end of the day was racism and you defeated it with a do better speech. I just knew it wasn't meant for us. It was meant for, um, I'm doing the thing, but you know. For, the white tees. I'll just say the white tees. <laughs> it was made for the white tees. It was made for the people who don't want to hear it. Yeah, who don't want to do better, and that's what I don't like about it. Is like you as a black man, I I was feeling the Isaiah Bradley scenes and Sam Wilson, and I was like, they're gonna have to do something with that. Uh, is Isaiah Bradley gonna be the new Captain America, or is he gonna come out and help? Uh, I was looking forward to something like that. Um, you know, they definitely brought up some stuff from black culture, like the whole TT thing that he mentioned, like he calls Auntie TT. Um, my, you know, all my cousins and family, we call our aunties TT. I get that. I love all that stuff. B- great black representation. Terrible landing. Yeah, man. But also, I also am going to defend Marvel on one aspect. A lot of these shows were either filmed before the pandemic and got root and got halted by the pandemic, or they were trying to film during the pandemic. So, like a lot of these shows, besides Hawkeye to me. They just felt like extensions of movies. That that was one problem I did have. Like reason why, I, like a lot of people, like my girlfriend, she don't like Hawkeye, and I think you say you didn't like Hawkeye that much. I just didn't like how it ended. Yeah. Everything else prior to that is gold to me. It yeah. should have been the best series that they yeah. had. For me, I didn't. I I liked the ending because it actually it felt more of a finale than all the other shows. Wanda division just it just ended abruptly as hell. Falcon Winter Soldier. Falcon well, Winter Falcon This Winter. does go back to what you were saying. I think from what I uh, remember reading, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was mostly completed before the pandemic happened. WandaVision was recording while the pandemic happened, and they've admitted that what we got wasn't what they originally planned, and they had to do a lot of changes. Um, and they said, like, Loki was untouched. What if was, I don't know what issue they had, uh, but they had a little pandemic issue. And I guess Hawkeye was the only thing they did post-pandemic, which I, I don't like that series at all. I don't see why people like it. I was bored. Um, but I'm just like, mm, the thing that's, I think as a whole for me, and, and I agree with you, a lot of them do seem like extensions of movies, especially Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think that's why I like that one in a sense, the most and just more disappointed with how that ended. Um, they they kind of, this is new territory for them um, doing, you know, serialized type of TV style shows. Yeah, I think WandaVision in a way was unique because we hadn't seen something like that in, in the MCU with her controlling the hex, uh, how they did the formatting and everything for the series in itself and making it a representation of television through the decades i think that was really cool how they did that and yeah the ending that ending definitely didn't stick for me either but i like that better because i'm like oh this is leading up to more of the stuff i want to see from the mcu the doctor strange stuff the wanda stuff 
the supernatural, powerful, world-ending type of stuff. I'm kind of over the local hero saving the day, except Spider-Man. He can do no wrong. But, like, I'm over Hawkeye and Black Widow. Like, they can't go to space. What are they going to do? Well, the reason why I – for me, I'm, like, the opposite because I've seen so much fantastical stuff. I like, like, the local heroes, especially – like a lot of people, a lot like some people that I like, it's like a mixed bag with Hawkeye. Me, I loved Hawkeye. Well, maybe also because I read the 2012 run and it was everything that I wanted out of that show. And then plus one thing that brought it up way above was the introduction, the reintroduction of Kingpin. And like my mind was raised with all the possibilities because I tell people all the time, like my girlfriend, she like, well, what's the big idea about the big deal of Kingpin? Like, baby, listen, Kingpin ain't just no regular fat man. King Kingpin, the truth. Kingpin had Spider-Man shook, Daredevil shook, Captain America shook. This man a different breed. So I like Hawkeye just because in fact of all the possibilities of all these local New York heroes. And of course, Daredevil is going to come back, which is, in my opinion, the best Marvel show ever made. Anybody can come at me at that. I'll I will carry that to the edge of a cliff. But that's what I like. And it just felt like a show to me and not just an extension of a movie. Black Widow, they did my girl Scar- uh, ScarJo dirty. They did her dirty for one, waiting till her character died off to give her a movie. And then two. They released the shit in theaters and HBO, I mean, HBO Max and Disney Plus. And then they let her get like the like the theater revenue, which wasn't shit. But they kept all the money. They tried, well, tried to keep all the money from the Disney Plus streams. I'm like, oh, y'all, y'all some dirty bitches for that. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I definitely agree. Uh, as far as what Black Widow, I feel like that movie should have came out before she died. It would have been better received. Even if they kept it as is 100%, it would have been better received. Um, that's my biggest issue with it. And also, they wasted Taskmaster as a villain. Because uh, Taskmaster is definitely one of my favorite Ooh. villains from the Marvel vs. Capcom games and just in the comics in general. Ooh, I um, can't stand you, know, you got Daredevil and Spider-Man. Taskmaster is a great foil to those characters. Yeah, and, and Deadpool now. but Oh, I can't st- Oh, yeah. That was one thing I hated about that movie. But on a but also um before we switch off of Marvel, there's um now that Stan Lee's gone, <laughs> there's been a rumor that instead of Stan Lee cameos, we would get Deadpool cameos. I don't know how you feel about that, but I would love that. I because it, it goes well with Deadpool. How 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 would you feel about uh, Deadpool replacing Stan Lee in cameos? I never heard. I- I can't believe I haven't heard that rumor. Yes. Um, I'm with it. I, I'm with it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've actually had the chance of meeting Stanley twice. Um, oh, you lucky. You got to follow my channel to hear those stories. Um, but uh, I think Stanley will be with it. I think Stanley will be with it. I think he would have found it the, the perfect fit. Yeah, man. Oh, damn. Oh, rest in peace, Stanley. I'm kind of jealous you got to meet him. But uh, twice. Got twice. <laughs> but now, well, now we got one more thing before we get off the Marvel kind, the Marvel sub- subject. Okay. And I and I know you said that you weren't feeling the um the like the Disney Plus shows like that. But 
I do feel like there's just one show. It might change it for you. It, it might change it for you. So if a lot of y'all know, there was there's a new show coming, the latest show coming out. It's gonna come by March, Moon Knight. Now, I don't know if you know about the character Moon Knight, but me personally, I've always liked Moon Knight. He's been an interesting character. And from what I'm hearing, this is supposed to be the most violent Disney Plus show that they've had. I don't know how violent it's going to be, but judging, but judging from what they're showing us, it kind of has to be violent. Because if you know Moon Knight, first of all, Moon Knight, he has, um, was it multiple, was it split personality disorder or is it? Yeah, multiple personality disorder. Yes, so he had multiple personality disorder, and uh, it's been so long since I've read a Moon Knight comic. He gets his powers from an Egyptian deity, I think. Is it an Egyptian deity? Yeah. Yeah, so, and then, um, so his name is Mark Spector, but he goes by three different, I think we, don't, we get to see the three main personalities. And the other personality, the one when he's Moon Knight, he's just fucking crazy. Picture Batman Picture the Batman and the Punisher just had a hate baby. Yeah, that's Moon Knight. That, 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 that is Moon Knight to a T. But before I get my thoughts on it, we're going to go ahead and uh, check out the trailer for Moon Knight featuring one of my favorite actors in Hollywood, Oscar Isaac. Hello and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I'm losing it. We'll catch you, huh? You're bloody useless. Stevie. Steven. I can't tell the difference between my eyes and dreams. Thank you. Lost the contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. Yeah. Oh my God, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voice is in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. So what do you think, man? Um, I'm actually excited to see this. Like I said, Disney is good at putting the bait on the hook and getting you interested in these Disney Plus series. I'm just hoping that they stick the landing this time. However long, how many ever episodes they do with this, I just hope they stick the landing. 
because uh, they just haven't stuck the landing on any of the uh, of the shows that are out so far. Um, I, I'm familiar with Moon Knight from the comics. I know he's uh, big with Deadpool and Spider-Man and a lot of the MCU characters that I like. So I'm glad to see him finally being introduced into the MCU fold. And I like this kind of dark and gritty horror brutality thing that they're going for with Moon Knight. So I'm looking forward to it. I just, like I said, I just hope they stick the landing. That's all I want them to do. Now, I'm going to just say this. Out of all the Disney Plus trailer, uh, TV show trailers, this has been my favorite trailer. I've seen this five times over. This trailer is dope as hell. Because for one thing, it gives you sort of a psychological horror vibe, and that's what I that's that's what I like. It's something different from the M. It feels like it's something different from the MCU. I'm pretty sure it's going to follow the same beats. But if you have actors like Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in, in there, you you got to bring it. You got to bring because those are two great actors. Like man, and. I just want to know how I just want to I'm curious to see how they're going to tackle the like the split personality disorder. I want to I, I really am curious to see how that goes, because whoever this um whoever his first personality is, Steven, he seemed like a bitch, seemed like a big bitch. So I, I kind of want to I can't wait to see the Mark Spector, like the Mark Spector personality in this show. Now, one thing that I'm sad to say is. The actor who's the who was going to be who was the main bad, Gaspar Uliel, he unfortunately passed in a skiing accident at the age of thirty-seven. Ah, uh, okay. So I did hear about that because I was I saw it on Facebook and I was like, no, nah, that can't be right. That that's just coming out. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, that 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 that's the case, and it puts the production in the bind because. Uh, ultimately, you know, you want to do a production if you're not going into a season two, and uh, it looks like he was going to kill it in the role too. So I, I hope we get a good see a good performance, but it's sad that we, this is what we're going to get. Yeah, man. So rest rest in peace to Gaspard. But I think, luckily, the good news is I think he filmed most of his scenes before his passing. It still sucks that he passed because we've already lost too much this year 2021 i got uh, i still can't get over betty white I, I still can't get over betty white yeah that one that one kind of stung a little bit like man she was only a few weeks away from the uh for the centennial that's what i'm saying hitting about to hit the big one oh oh right like that's something like humans don't get to do in the fact that she america's sweetheart oh my god betty white rest in peace um and she was a genuinely good person too yeah, she was just genuinely a good person, like not a um all right. I know we're going on a tangent here, but like this is something that's kind of been on my mind. Um, we're gonna talk about Betty White for a little bit. I love Betty White. Like I was a fan of her before her resurgence um 20 years ago when she started doing all the comedy and stuff like she's been doing. Um, you know. I don't know if you saw Golden Girls, I don't know if that dates me or says whatever about me, but I used to watch that as a kid because my mom and grandma would watch it and she was very entertaining and delightful and then when she had this resurgence in her career in the, her end days um well now i'm gonna say her end days because it started when she was 80 and she's almost 100 so that's 20 years 
um, you just found out so much more about her and just how honest and sweet her heart is. Uh, when she had her late night show back in the 50s, she was the first um, person to have an African-American musician be there on stage with her because, yeah. you know, segregation, all that stuff. And but then, she was one of the first people to do it. And then she told the producers, fuck y'all. If y'all don't right. want this black man, if you, right. don't want- if, if you don't want him on here, you ain't going to have me. And she wasn't having that shit. She's been an ally from day one. Um, I honest to God say, I don't think this woman has had a racist, hurtful, mean spirited bone in her body, what she's done for animal rights and just, uh, you know, out in California and just making all the shelters and being an advocate for, uh, you know, animal rights and, and things of that nature. Like she's like a sweetheart. Like we lost a sense of morality when she passed. Hey, man, I ain't gonna lie. Betty White was a baddie back in the day. I mean, right. my black ass would have been lynched back in the day for trying to talk to Betty White because she was fine. Oh, well, <laughs> she would have helped you. She would have been the one who said that you weren't whistling at her. You would have been fine if you would have hit on Betty White. She was the, for the time that she came out with, and especially the time she was brought up, you would think she would just be like everybody else. But no, she wasn't. And she actively outspoke against it. And you, you know, it is kind of buried in her career, but she did. She was an advocate for us being in TV and film and brought us along with us and uh, being a, a beacon for women and women's rights and things like that, especially in Hollywood. Um, she was one of the few people who did it, who didn't have to, you know, excuse my French, um, get on her knees and do something strange to just make it as an actress in Hollywood, like how a lot of actress uh, had to do. Uh, even now, um, a lot of women have to do things that they're not comfortable with just to make it. And she did it the right way and did it her way. And we lost the legend. Yeah, we lost her and Sydney Portier. Yeah, Sydney Portier. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I still, I'm still mad that he is still part of one of the movies I hate to this day, and that's Ghost Dad. Oh, I can't stand Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby, especially now, especially now. But that I'm mad because that was the one of the few things I like, one of the lasting things that he did. But other than that, Sidney Poitier, he, he, he is a legend in, in amongst himself. Sad to see him go. I would say Bob Saget, but Bob Saget had a lot of questionable things that were brought up upon his death. Don't know if they were true or not, but still rest in peace to him. Now, we're about to close things out, but before we do, there's one more topic that we have to talk about. And it it's it's something that has to be said, especially if you a nerd or you a gamer. Now, I don't know if you heard of a, of a little company called Microsoft, but... And they made they made a few inventions for the kids nowadays. So I don't know if you heard of something called the Xbox, but it has been made official that Xbox has or Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard for I think was it sixty nine billion dollars? I think it was. What? Yes, sixty nine billion dollars was that deal, and. For everybody, for the audience that's a huge game gaming fans, you should know that this is a big thing because one thing about Activision Blizzard, they what do they hold? They hold Call of Duty, 
Call of Duty, uh, and you're a 90s kid, and, and like you were in high school in the 2000s. So you know how big Call of Duty played in a lot of kids' lives. A lot of, I don't think nowadays, a lot of these kids will survive them, them team deathmatch lobbies. Um, that's that's big. It's so funny you said Call of Duty because, like, man, uh, I'm not a big first person, third person shooter, but like, uh, I went to school for video game design, and like, some of my uh, intro to video game class final studies essays were about Call of Duty, um, and just that genre. So, yeah, it's kind of bringing up memories and all the stuff I had to write about Activision at the time. Um, this is huge. This is huge for Microsoft. I'm gonna be honest, it's actually a good look for Microsoft. Um, you know, we're going into the next generation of consoles, and we have the PS5 versus the Xbox One X Series S Transformers Edition or whatever they're calling this shit now. Uh, I'm a Sony fan. Actually, I'm a Nintendo fanboy at heart. So um, mm, I, I don't know. Uh, it's good for Microsoft, and I can only see good things for it, but I. You know, this is kind of like the Death Star just merged with the sun and became even more powerful. Um, I can't even fathom what we're about to get from this company now. Yeah, man. Like Microsoft, they this was like basically them them swinging their dick around because I was just like, that is huge. And yeah, that it, is huge. And it was great for Microsoft. Wasn't so great for Sony the day after because the right. The day right after that this was announced, Microsoft's, I mean, not Microsoft, Sony stocks plummeted 20, um, it, it lost $20 billion as soon as this was announced. Jesus Christ. I mean, all right. Well, I mean, real talk, real talk. We all know Sony's going to be all right. This ain't going to shake or hurt Sony um, unless, you know, uh, well, no, this is only going to hurt Sony. I'm sorry, I take that back. Yeah, because if you a lot of people don't know, I am a Sony. I love Sony because the first party exclusive Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy, um, all that. I love. I've always loved playing on there. But if if y'all if you are a Sony fan, then you then you know Sony does like getting in bed with anybody. It is either they way or the highway, and it's been like that for years. Like that PlayStation Now bullshit that they, that they had, that shit sucked. That shit sucked. I was paying $20 a month to play games that I've already had in the past and then stream them, and your streaming sucks. Like, just picture, like, a Dollar Tree version of Game Pass. That was Sony PlayStation Now. And now they're trying to rebrand it and bring bring their own um, subscription service out in the spring I'm still iffy about that because I just don't trust Sony because Sony is just too greedy. Now, my only thing about Activision Blizzard is I really hope that this does not stray people away from the fact that Activision Blizzard was one of those companies that were extremely sexist and uh, kind of rapey towards women back uh, last year. I don't know if you heard, but last year it was Activision Blizzard. It was so many gaming companies. They they got out, they were called out on that mannish, like sexist culture um last year. So I really hope that that doesn't bring eyes away from that because that has to be said. Because I've always felt like video games are for everybody, and that goes for women too. And women should not be objectified, women should not be objectified in games. You should be able 
girls should be able to see themselves in characters and not just see strippers on screen. Well, to that, I say this. Um, I don't know how many times I've said this already, but I went to school for video game design. And the biggest thing you notice uh, going to college and being in that type of major is it's a sausage fest. Uh, gaming, especially a lot of things in geek culture as a whole, um, up until this point has predominantly been male dominated, if you can say that. Um, if you go look at a lot of the comic book creators, a lot of the artists, um, a lot of people who develop video games and things of that nature, it's all male. It's almost almost predominantly white males and now, you know, black males and uh, males of POC, but it's always been predominantly male. Um, I remember the first few times we had actual female gamers in our major and they're coming, hanging out with us after classes and doing the club stuff. Uh, that we're all doing and is you know they walk into a sausage fest i hate to say it but it's always been a sausage fest not saying what activision these companies are doing is right is not um because we need more women in these roles to have women be portrayed correctly in these games in these franchises movies tv shows whatever it is we need more female creators more diversity in that sense to come in to help offset a lot of this male-driven society um, culture that we put into a lot of these things, if that makes sense. Yeah, and also, the, that's the only thing is, because I'm pretty sure, like, you've worked in the video game industry, I'm pretty, like, or, or, like, you you are around the industry. The thing about it, who, who, do these, who do these CEOs be? It be the motherfuckers in high school that never got the attention from these same women so they feel like they use their power to abuse it because um, like the shit that they did at these video game companies they would have tunnels under the desk so they could go around go up under desks looking under women's skirts whenever they went to a convention i forgot what company it was but they legit had this this one hotel room they bring women to the shit was called i shit you not it was called the cosby room oh wow yeah, so many execs have been fired the past year, and good, even though I know these people, they're going to be right back in power, but I'm glad that women are finally starting to step up and feel and feel that their voices can be heard, because I'm, I ain't going to lie, like, I've met, I've met, like, I've met the misogynistic gamers, and I, I listen to, like, y'all do not know how stupid y'all sound. Yeah, um, it's really toxic when you dig deep into certain community bases and you get to the, again, lack of a better term, sausage fest that festers within the deeper parts of a lot of these communities. Because for the longest time, all these things that we've talked about has, has only been marketed, not necessarily marketed towards men, but it's always only been men who's been into this type of stuff. And now that geek culture is on top and it's okay to be a geek regardless of the black or white man or woman, everybody's finally coming out of the woodworks admitting that they're a geek and they've always been interested in these things. And that's why I say like it's important that we promote women and other people of color uh, to be behind the scenes creating the stuff that we're watching and consuming. That's important so we can get out of these toxic uh toxic societies that we build uh within ourselves without even knowing it 
Um, Cause I've been there, you've been there. You know, you've been hanging out with the boys and just been gaming and the things that we say. And I'm like, that's not always right. That's not. That's never. That's never been right. We need to be more inclusive as a community, whether it's just the black community or the geek community as a whole. Be more inclusive. Let more people in and accept everyone for who they are, so we can all grow and be better. Yeah, man. But that was my last topic for tonight. I've had so much fun. I've got to know you and like, hopefully you got to know a little bit of me. And like I said, like I said, I could go on for another two hours, but I know that anybody trying to listen to a five hour podcast. Well, so we're going to just end it here, man. Look, tell I one more time, tell the people what you do and where they can find you at. All right. Again, I'm Mark Leary of Blurredography. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter at Blurredography. You can go to my website, Blurredography.com, which takes you to MarkLeary.com. And um, you can just find me everywhere. Uh, I'm also on Spotify and Anchor uh, with my podcast, Blurredcast. And yeah, I do cosplay photography, content creation, interviews, whatever. I'm all about the culture the black nerd culture, the blurred culture. I'm all about the blurred culture. Oh yes. All about that blurred culture. And just, and like every, and like every other show, y'all, you know where to find me. If you want to join the conversation, go on the Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash bring the popcorn. I'm not going to spell it because I've spelled it so many times now. And if you want to email me with any questions, comments, or concerns, or Hey, if you want to be part of the show, just email me at bringthepopcorn93 at gmail.com. Y'all, tonight has been fun. Mark, I had such a blast night. Can't wait to do this again sometime. And maybe if I'm ever back in Atlanta, maybe one day we can meet up or do lunch or something, man. Oh, and definitely. If you ever come to Atlanta, um, come doing Dragon Con weekend. Like, I will show you the best of the city. Hey, man, we're we going to keep in touch. But, y'all... Just remember, when you always come to these reviews, remember to always bring one thing. Bring the popcorn. All right, y'all. We about of here.